This is a message from the ministry of the International Baptist Church of Debrecen. For more information about our church, visit ibcdebrecen.com. Okay, so I think you understand it with the video. It's the last message of the year, and we will talk about blessing. And we will see what is the meaning of the priestly blessing from the Lord. And um, because, you know, during our time in earth, it's the God's will to live in his blessing, but also to be a vector of blessing for the other and not a vector of cursing. So we will look what's the impact this can have in the spiritual world, because everything who can come from your mouth can be a source of peace, but also a source of destruction. So we should take that really seriously. So let's open our Bible. We will read the chapter 6 of Number, Number 6, 22 to 27, and we will see how originally the Lord taught the blessing to Aaron and his children. Number 6, 22, 27. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. So, we see in this passage that God gave the responsibility to Aaron and his son, the high priest's family, to put the name on the, of the Lord on the congregation of Israel and ask the favor of God on them. So that's the meaning of the blessing. It's not just a thought, it's not just a feeling, it's invoke outload the name of the Lord on someone or something and call down the goodness of God for them. So this blessing in, is in three different steps, three distinct steps. Because the Lord repeats his, na his name three times. And through these three repetitions, we can remind the three different personalities of God. So let's read the first line. The Lord bless you and keep you. Is a, a prayer that asks for God's providence and provision and protection. And through that, we can see the picture of the Father. A Father who is a powerful provider. The one who called the crow to feed Elijah morning and evening with bread and mint during the famine. It's also calling to the Father who are also a terrifying protector. We throw to the Bible how God protects the people of Israel as a father protects his son or his daughter. One day, the Philistine, knowing that David had become the king of Israel, the army rose up to attack Israel. David consulted God, his father, and God replied, And it shall be, 
when you hear the sound of machine in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly, for then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistine. So David was here that day, but it was the Lord who struck the Philistine camp. Even though David was ready with his army to attack, the father came and did all of the work. So when the priests prayed like this, they put the name of the father on the assembly. The second line said, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And in this prayer, we see the picture of the sun. We can see God's mercy, God's grace. The first line said, the Lord make his face shine upon you is a specific call to the Lord that he visit us in the intimacy. I don't know if you remember in Exodus 34, 34, when Moses went to speak to the Lord in the tent, his face started to shine. Exodus 34, 34 said, but whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out, and he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. Then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. So we see here in this line the proximity, the intimacy. There is no fence between the man and God. And it's the picture of the sun. We know that the closeness, uh, closeness that Moses had with the Lord is only possible today with Jesus. It's not a mystery. It's the only way to communicate and spend time with the Father because him alone destroyed the fence between the Father and the mankind. The second line continued and said, and be gracious to you. And now we know it's also through Jesus Christ, through the picture of Jesus Christ, that grace came into this world. Jesus came to meet person, every person personally and show compassion and mercy to his people and also to the nation around him. Many sinners, Jew and non-Jew, have been justified and forgiven by faith in the Son of God. So, we saw the character, this personality of God. We saw how he treated the Samaritan woman with compassion. He didn't accuse her. He just asked questions. We saw how he treated the criminal who was condemned with him. He opened the way to his grace before the throne of God. So in this part, we see a different personality of God, a different name of God more intimidate, not powerful destructor. The third line said, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And this, it's not a secret, it's the third line, 
So we talk of the picture of the Holy Spirit. One of the names used in the Bible to the Holy Spirit, to present the Holy Spirit, is in Greek, paraklet. And literally, paraklet means the one who is called alongside. But in our modern language, in French, in English, I don't know in Dutch, but it gave four words. The first one is helper. The second one is comforter. The third one is counselor. And the fourth one is advocate. And the Holy Spirit come to us to give us peace. He walk every day with us as a counselor to show, to show us as an inner witness the right path to take. Sometimes we don't know what decision to take. And when we think about something, a supernatural peace comes to us. And we know the Holy Spirit starts to talk to us. And also when we are in trouble, when we face some trials, the Holy Spirit came, come like a comforter to give us again this spiritual peace. So, as we can see in the priestly blessing that God taught to Aaron, we see the complete picture of God. Three lines, three identities. And when they prayed this blessing over Israel, they're putting completely the name of God on the children of Israel. So this is how the priests were responsible to put the God's name on the children of Israel. And this prayer to God has been practiced from generation and generation. And today, this responsibility change of priesthood. Today, it's up to us as a Christian to bless the people around us. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous life. Light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So it means we are this generation, this next generation of priesthood, because this passage in the context is not addressed only for pastors or only for church leaders or press team leaders. It's on all people who are elected by God. And that without distinction or investment in ministry. The blessing of a Christian is the same as the blessing of a pastor. The pastor, the pastor when he bless you, don't have a spiritual power to bless you more than every Christian. So it means if you are saved, you are in this ship of this royal priesthood. And that we have this responsibility, this great responsibility to bless the people around us. And it doesn't mean necessarily 
we need to follow the, the, the blessing we just read like a ritual. It's not mean that that's not what the Lord requires. But it's here today for our instruction. It shows us how God wants to use to bless his people without distinction. The people who are close from him and also the people who are far. This blessing was for all the people in Israel. And for us, it's an important teaching. Every day, the Christian must remember that the word that comes out of his mouth who target someone can have a great impact on his life. Just as blessing on someone can bring him back in the right path, also cursing a person can bring him to death. It means the Christian had a tool of, of blessing in the mouth, but also can have uh, evil weapons in his mouth. It's so serious that Proverbs 18 verse 21 said, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Also, James 3, verse 6 say, The tongue is the fire, is a fire, a world of iniquity. To give you an example, in witchcraft, when a sorcerer prepares a spell to harm someone, they prepare a whole ritual with different objects, and sometimes it implies a blood sacrifice to demonstrate a certain submission or obedience to evil spirit. So this will allow the sorcerers to be possessed or have companionship with evil spirit. And then, after that, to perform his curse ritual, he will go to a book of shadow to find formula to proclaim, write it down, or sometimes even sing as a praise to the evil spirit. So this means that the curse only takes effect on the moment it leaves the mouth or it's right down. So this will have effect of sending demons to attack the person, whether it works or not. And the curse will corrupt the person who is sending it, but also destroy the person try to destroy the person who receiving it. And all of this happens in the spiritual world where it's completely invisible for us. For our eyes, we cannot see a cursing or a blessing going. So if it's work, the person receiving the curse will start to feel some effect. It can be a lot of things, it depends about what was the content of the curse. Maybe the guys will start to be desperate or contract a disease, or sometimes it can be worse. In, in Europe, it's complicated because it's not really famous to find, uh, to, to practice the, the, the witchcraft and things like that, but in a lot of countries like Africa or maybe in Asia, they know, they know that really well. They know that with a curse really well executed, 
it can kill a, it can kill a person. When I was at school, I was a, uh, I was friend with a, a French Guyanese people a person, and uh, one day he told me a story. He was just uh, walking in Guyana, and a man came with a gun to rob him. And the only thing he had to do is saying his family name. And when the guy heard the family name, he just stopped everything and ran away, completely terrifying. It was because his grandmother was a really well-known witch in Guyana. So the guy had a complete power on my friend with the gun. But when he heard the name, it was so... <laughs> so it's cursing people is a serious stuff. Now think carefully, even if you never done witchcraft, even if you never done this kind of things, do you, don't you think you, you've cursed someone before? What do you think? Did you curse someone in the past? Even if you don't have in your mind really the, the will to destroy him or practicing witchcraft? The answer is yes. <laughs> I know the answer. So <laughs> Matthew 5, 22 say, I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever say, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. I don't know what you think about it, but it looks like really severe as a punishment for just a word just uh, left your mouth. But in fact, Raka is a really powerful word. The meaning of Raka, it expresses a deep contempt against someone. So when you start to saying Raka to someone, when you you start to set one foot in the realm of evil. You start to play the devil's game. When you insult someone or proclaiming bad word on someone, you start to play the game of cursing people. You use your mouth as a weapon to spread evil on him and this not come from the Holy Spirit. You do like the sorcerer. Even if you are not dealing with a lot of demons like him, you play the same game. By cursing someone, you are correcting, corrupting the temple you are. And it's the temple where the Holy Spirit must reign. The demon who will hear your word, your proclamation, will attack whoever is targeted by this bad word. So pay attention to your word because in the spiritual world, they are really important. In the spiritual world, your word are really carefully listened to. So the question is, who is on the control of your mouth? As a royal priest, it's important to know who controls the mouth. Because if it's not the Holy Spirit who controls the mouth, it's another spirit. And apart the Holy Spirit, 
There is none good spirit. So we must imperatively pray to submit our heart, our thought, and our tongue to the Holy Spirit. Because without him, the Bible is clear, we cannot control man's tongue. James 3, verse 8 to 10, say, But no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless, O God and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. So the Bible is really clear. In the same mouth we can have the blessing and the cursing. And sometimes, sadly, we can see some Christian brother and sister start to gossip or express their hunger, and they don't even realize that they start cursing some people. And even though the, the Bible clearly condemns this, for others, they let the tongue, the master of the tongue is their emotion. It's the emotion who control the tongue, who control the mouth, and when everything works, when everything is good, it's work. But when they started to be hurt, when they started to have persecution, the whole nature come back in the mouth with full of bullets. So, when the whole nature come back to do evil through your mouth, to curse people, there is only way to fight it. The first step is to return to the word of God first. 1 Peter chapter 3 to 9 say, not returning evil for evil or reveling for reveling, but on the contrary blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. And Romans 12 verse 14 also said, bless so who those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. So, come back first to the word of God and after, put it in practice. Apply the God's name on those people, those people who harm you. Don't spread curse. You can pray like we saw in your main reading. You can pray the priestly blessing on them. But don't curse the people. And you will see, when you start to bless the people who harm you, the Holy Spirit will give you in first the, the strength and the peace you need to get through this trial. You know, sometimes it looks like unfair because people can harm you or be really mad at us. And... It looks like there is no justice. It looks like the wicked can do everything on earth and we cannot, re we cannot respond. But in this time, we should remind every time that the prayer of the righteous is highly effective. So our weapon is not the blood, it's not physical weapon, it's the prayer. And the third step to follow 
is walk in, walk in the footstep of the Lord and the first Christian in the book of Acts. When Jesus was crucified, we didn't see Jesus curse people. And yet he suffered really more than us. It was not just like bad word against Jesus. He was really humiliated and suffered a lot. But he didn't curse the people. And yet he had the power to do it. He had the power to destroy everything. When the crowd came for him in the garden of Gethsemane, and the people started to ask, who is Jesus, who Jesus of Nazareth was? When Jesus answered, I am, the people started to back off and fall. When Peter started to take his word to hit every people in this time, he said, no, we don't use the weapons. If you use the weapons, you will be killed by the weapons. So he had enough authority and enough power to don't be catch and do a lot of evil. But when he was humiliated and crucified, is just some word came from his mouth, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Another example is Stephen, the first martyr. When he was stoned, we didn't see, we didn't see curse in his mouth. But he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Do not charge them with this sin. So we can see that in this elder, in Jesus, that cursing is not an option. We are called to bless the people. Romans 12 verse 21 said, Do not overcome evil. Uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So to conclude, in the last hour of this year, the Lord is renewing his call to us, to us his royal priesthood, to bless the people around us without distinction, and to not spread evil by her mouth, to be at the picture of the salt, who stop corruption spreading on the food. We m you must be the one who stopped the curse from spreading of every people. Okay, so let's pray together. Thanks, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, we definitely need your Holy Spirit. Because we want to be at your image. We want to walk as Jesus did during our walk in earth. Please, Lord, give us the strength to control our mouth. Give us the strength to control our thought, our emotion, to don't be on occasion, don't be on occasion of cursing people. We want to answer yes to this call to bless people, to put the name on the people outside, brother or not brother. We want to be a vector of your blessing. Thank for everything, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen.
thank you so much for lending us your ears and your time today. If your curiosity has been piqued and you'd like to learn more about our church and the work we do, please feel free to visit our website at ibcdebretson.com. Better yet, we warmly invite you to join us in person and experience our community firsthand. We look forward to welcoming you.